For those of you that were expecting to see Justin this morning, you are either sadly disappointed or pleasantly surprised. <laughs> Seriously, I've used this analogy before, but I feel this way sometimes. As when I grew up, I was a fan of the Dallas Cowboys when Roger Staubach was the quarterback. And on those Sunday mornings when Roger Staubach had had a concussion and they said Danny White was going to start, it was like, oh, man. So sometimes I get to feel like I'm Danny White up here a little bit, so y'all, y'all bear with me. Uh, scripture we're going to read today is actually two separate scriptures. The first is in John chapter 8, verses 31 through 36. If you have your Bibles with you, please turn there to John chapter 8, verses 31 through 36. John chapter 8. Verses 31 through 36. I say that a couple of times to give everybody a chance to, to get there. John chapter 8, verse 31 through 36 says, So Jesus said to the Jews who had believed him, If you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. They answered him, We are offspring of Abraham and have never been enslaved to anyone. How is it that you say we will become free? Jesus answered them, Truly, truly I say to you, everyone who practices sin is a slave to sin. The slave does not remain in the house forever. The son remains forever. So if the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. I'm going to repeat that last verse. So if the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. Now I'm going to look at another scripture real quick, so turn to your Bibles in Galatians chapter 5. Galatians chapter 5, verse 1. One more time, Galatians chapter 5, verse 1. For freedom Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to the yoke of slavery. Today, my heart is that you walk away here with a truth of your own personal witness, of your own personal testimony. I hope today that you walk away with a clearer understanding of what that is and the ability to share that with other people. There's really only three key points to your personal witness, to your personal testimony. It's really pretty simple. Who I was, what Christ did in my life, and who I am now. It's really that simple. It doesn't have to be much more grandiose than that. It's your own personal story of who I was. Notice the past tense there, who I was, how Christ entered my life, what He has done for me, and who I am now. And that's what we're going to talk about today. We have to first come to a place where we recognize who we were. As believers, this part is pretty easy. It's a place that we, that we know really well. Why? Because it's our own story. It's our own memories. It's our own understanding of our past. 
Now, we can remember that easily for a couple of different reasons. Number one, as I said, it's our, it's our personal story. It's our personal uh, events that took place that we have clear memory of. I uh, confess that early in my life as a young boy, I was both bullied and bullied other children. So in my memory, I can live in the fear of being bullied or the shame of bullying other children. Those memories can come back to me. And why can they come back to me in that way? Because I have an enemy. You have an enemy that wants to bring that past back to our mind in such a way that we feel that fear or we feel that shame. Sometimes we swim in the past. Sometimes we catch a glimpse of our past and we swim in that. We eat that. We feast on that past. Why would we do that? Well, we do that sometimes because it's comfortable. We've kind of grown to what that feeling is. It's a known. You want to wonder, you want, you wonder why addiction works, why, why addiction is what it is, is because the addict knows what's going to happen. I know that I'm going to have a high. I know that I'm going to have a crash, but I know what that high feels like, and I'll do anything it takes to get that feeling. It's a known. That's why it works. It's the same way with our past, whether we're an addict or not. It's a known. I know what feelings I'm going to have with that. Why would we want to feel the fear? Why would we want to feel the shame? Because it's a known thing. But we have an enemy that wants us to swim in that sea. He wants us to, to just live in that moment of what that shame and that fear is. Some of you have heard me say this before, but I feel it's important to repeat as often as I can the difference between shame and conviction. Conviction comes from the Holy Spirit. Shame comes from the enemy. How do we know the difference? How do I know whether this is the enemy pouring shame into my heart or how do I know whether this conviction of the Holy Spirit on something I need to change? It's pretty simple, really, how to know the difference. Shame makes me want to turn away, makes me want to hide from that feeling. I feel shame. I don't, I don't want other people to look at me. I don't want other people to see. I don't want God the Father to look at me because I'm so ashamed of what I've done. That's what shame does to us. Conviction is the Holy Spirit, is God the Father saying, I know. I know what you've done. Come back to me. Let's work on this. I used this same analogy in Sunday school this morning, so if you were in Sunday school with me, you'll forgive me for using this again, but it's important. When Breck, if, if you don't know who Breck is, he's my son. He was the one up here playing electric guitar. When Breck was a little bitty fella, I used to, you may not believe this, but I used to love to run. Uh, I, I did. I really did. So every day after work, I would go run. It was my stress reliever. I would enjoy going doing that. So one day, I, I had a stressful day, I was looking forward to it, came in, put on my running stuff, got ready to go, and Brett's little fuss said, Daddy, can I go with you? Now, in my head, I was like, golly Moses, I looked forward to this all day long. But as a dad, I said, well, sure, son. Now, I'm embarrassed that he's grown, that he remembers that, that I'm telling the story, but he does know the story. This is not the first time he's heard the story. 
So I said, well, sure, son, get on your tennis shoes and we'll go. Well, we lived on a, a caliche road. If you don't know what a caliche is, it's kind of a gravelly surface. We lived on that kind of road. It's about a quarter of a mile to the paved road. So we get out on this caliche road, and we hadn't gone 10, 15 yards, and he fell down. Now, in my head, I said, you have ruined my run. I looked forward to this all day long. But the Holy Spirit spoke to me and said, Kyle, this morning, I had an awesome day planned for you. I had an awesome day ready to go for you. And remember when this happened? Did I tell you that you ruined my day? No, I picked you up, I dusted you off and said, let's go again. That's conviction of the Holy Spirit. Picking us up, dusting us off, saying, let us start again. So now you know the difference between shame and conviction. So when you feel that the enemy has laid on you this shame from the past, you can say, Satan, you have no authority over me. That time is gone. That's who I was. That's in the past. A a wise man who was a retired army chaplain shared this with me, and, and it stuck with me. There are things that are painful memories for us. But with a work of Christ in our lives, they can become simple memories. We can remember that they happened and not own us, not bring about that fear and that shame again. They become simple memories. One of the things that we know uh, that you can see clearly, surely in your own lives, is that Satan and his demonic forces will continually bring those things back up to us. Why? Why would he do that? He does that to, 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 in an attempt to bind us to the past. And in binding us to the past, it will affect our present and future. We were slaves. We just read the scripture where Jesus said, you were slaves in sin. We were slaves to that. Satan wants us to be shackled again to that past so that it impacts our present and our future. The key here is as we relate to our witness is that we have to make sure we share with other people that that's who we were and not who we are. Not that we're perfect, we're not, we know that. But that's not who I am anymore. I'm not that person. As a believer, you are not that person. That past life you had, that hurt that you gave to other people, That bullying, whether it's emotionally or whatever, those things are gone. That time has passed. You are complete in Christ now. I was, in the past, shackled, rooted in sin and shame. Now, I didn't think of myself as a slave. I'm sure you may not either. At the moment, thought of yourself as a slave at that time. Because I did what I wanted to do, when I wanted to do it how I wanted to do it, and who I wanted to do it with. Or so I thought. What was I doing? I was actually feeding my flesh. I was feeding my own carnal desires and whatever I wanted to do, not realizing now I can look back and say, I was so shackled to sin and shame that the reality is I was using people for my own personal wants, desires, and needs. I was bound to that in the past. But praise God, I'm not bound to that anymore. And neither are you. 
Neither are you bound to that past anymore. One of the things that we look at in our past, and this is a hard one to look at, is that we were haters of God. A hater of God. Now, I grew up, for those of you that know my testimony, you know this. For those of you who don't, I'm not going to go into that right now. If you ever want me to share that with you, I'd be happy to share that with you. But I grew up, I thought I was a Christian. We opened presents on Christmas morning. I must be a Christian. We went to church about every third Easter. I've got to be a Christian. I believed in God. I believed in Jesus. I believed Jesus died for sins. I believed all that stuff. But what I didn't know is that it had a personal impact on me. And when I found that, that's when I came to Christ. You may be in that place right now where you believe all that stuff or you felt like you were a Christian, but if you haven't made that personal decision, today is the day to do that. Anyway, what I was talking about was being a hater of God. I thought I was a Christian. Surely I wasn't a hater of God. Well, the reality was I did, and here's why. He wanted me not to be mastered by my fleshly desires. That's what God wanted for me. That's what God wanted for you early in your life. And the fact that we denied what He wanted made us haters of God. Now, again, we can own that. We can, we can live in that. We can swim in that. I was a hater of God, and we can swim in the shame that goes with that. But that's not God's desire in our life, that we swim in that. He rescued us for a reason, to be released from that, to be redeemed from that. So we talked about who I was, right, in my personal testimony, who I was. Now we're going to talk about what Christ did in my life. There was an exchange made. There was a, there was a transformation that happened in my life. It wasn't my doing. I didn't create it. Now, there was a time, even in, in my Christian life, where I thought, well, I made that decision. And it was in Sunday school in here one day when, I, when, that, when it was revealed to me through a dear teacher in Sunday school, I won't call his name, Jeff Walford, <laughs> said it was the drawing of the Holy Spirit first that brought you to that decision. With that truth and with that knowledge, it wasn't anything I did. God was drawing me long before I even recognized that He was drawing me. God was drawing you to that place long before you knew He was drawing you. But once He drew me to that place where I could no longer refuse the revelation of who He was, yes, I made the decision. But because He was pulling me closer to His chest. That truly is the greatest miracle that was ever performed is that a sinner like me could be transformed from a slave to a son. From a slave to a son. A slave to pain and shame and hurt and debauchery and everything you can think of. Transforming me from a slave to his son. I'm going to pick on Breck again. Uh, many of you may not know that Breck is adopted. We adopted him. Uh, we went to Bolivia and adopted him. And on the, on the day when we met in court, Breck was brought in, and the judge was standing there, and the lawyer who had prepared all the paperwork, and they had their discussion, and he was literally 
taken from here and placed into our arms. He walked into there. He didn't walk in. He was a baby. But he came in there belonging to someone else and went out of that room belonging to us as his loving parents. You see that transformation that took place? We were belonging to someone else. We belonged to the enemy. And that transformation took place that we were no longer His, but now we are God the Father's. Christ is that miracle worker. The finished work that He did on the cross made that transformation possible. He is that miracle then. He is that miracle worker then. He is that miracle worker now. And He will be that miracle worker forevermore. For those that we see, that we think, have no chance, have no possibility, they're too far gone. Praise God that's not true. There is no one so separated from God that He can't redeem them back to Himself. You may be feeling that today. You may be feeling, I've lived so, so hard, so far away from Him. There's no way, me, that He could redeem me back to Himself. And He says, oh child, if you only knew the love I have for you. Second Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21 says, For our sake He made Him to be sin who knew no sin so that in Him we might become the righteousness of God. Jesus just didn't pay for my sins. He became sin. That putrid, horrible, nasty stench of sin in the Father's nostrils. Jesus took that on and became that. So that His righteousness, His perfection could be imputed to me. It's not my righteousness, it's His righteousness that you see before you. This is, this is hard for us to wrap our minds around. Is that because of Christ's finished work, I am now clean. I am now pure. I am now holy. I'm not perfect. We get that, right? You do live with yourselves. You do look at yourselves in the mirror. You do know what you're capable of. But in the Father's eyes, you are perfect. You are holy. I've used this word picture before, and if, you, if you've heard it before and you're tired of it, I'm sorry, you're going to hear it again. If tonight's clear, go outside tonight and look at the sky. And what will you see? You'll see a sky full of stars. Now imagine for just a moment those stars are your sins. They're, count, they're, they're, they're infinite. You can't count them. It's impossible to number them. But they're there. Some burn more brightly than others. Some are a glimmer. Some are really, really shiny. But they're there. Look at those. Those are your sins. Now tomorrow at noon... Are those stars still there? Yeah, they're still there. But you can't see them. Why? Because they're overpowered by the sun. That's what the finished work of Christ has done in our life. 
He has overpowered what sin is in our life because He became sin. So we know what we were. We know what Christ did in our lives. This is your personal testimony. You know when Christ came into your life. You know what that transition looked like. You know what that transformation looked like. Be prepared to share that with others. That leaves us with who I am now. Who I am now. Who am I now? I'm a child of the King. I am a co-heir with Christ. I am His Son. You are His son or daughter. We talked in uh, Sunday school this morning about where we sit. We sit in the heavenly realms. We sit at the right hand of God with Jesus. We're seated there. That's a place of honor and authority. That's what we have now. That's not to come. That's now. But most importantly, what I want you to see today, what we read in John and what we read in Galatians, I am free. I am free from what I used to be. I am free from the dominion of darkness. I am free from the shackles of slavery. I am free. No longer bound to what Satan and others say I am, but only what the Father says I am. That's who I am. No longer bound to my past no longer bound to sin and shame. Now the scripture we read in Galatians where it says, do not put on the yoke of slavery. Think of that word picture for just a minute. Uh, If you've ever worked on a farm where you had a yoke over oxen, some of you may be old enough to remember that. I kind of doubt it, but maybe you did. Maybe you saw an Amish farm where that happened, where this big yoke was on the oxen. Surely you watched that in the old Western movies. Right? When they were going across the prairie and the wagons and the big yoke were over the oxen and they were going. Think of that yoke, that, this big heavy yoke on your shoulders. That sin. <coughs> Excuse me. That's, that sin on you and in, in those animals, that ox, that was chained to them. It had to be held on there. It was chained on them. Right? That sin was chained on us. And God in Christ's work and His redemption pulled that yoke off of us and set it aside and said, you're no longer bound to that. You are free. Well, Paul's telling us in Galatians, don't go over and pick that back up. Don't let yourself be burdened again by that. You are free. I have declared you free. I have redeemed you. So why do we? Why do we pick up that yoke? Why do we want to put those chains back on? Why? As I said before, because it's a known. Sin is pleasurable for a season. Let's be real. That's why we do it. Sin is an escape from reality. Whether we're lying to escape the truth, whether we're using a drug drug to escape the mundane life that we have, whatever we're doing, it's an escape from reality. And frankly, some of us want to escape that reality. But as addicts know, there's a price to be paid for that. I'm going to quote the, uh, the gospel of Willie Nelson for just a minute. There's a song, there's a song that Willie says is, I got to get drunk and I sure do dread it because I know just what I'm going to do. 
recognizing in that song, I'm going to do it. I regret it now because I know what's going to happen because of it. We don't think of sin in that way, but we should. If I'm getting ready to sin, I'm going to regret this because I know what's going to happen. If we think of sin in those ways, I don't know about you, but it's going to prevent me from doing that. Now, unfortunately, I don't let my mind engage that quickly sometimes, and I go down that road. But you know what? The sin's forgiven. It's not an excuse, but it is forgiven. God draws me back to Himself. The Scripture we read said, The truth shall set you free, and we are free indeed. Can you imagine being locked in a cell for years to be released and then saying, I want to go back to that cell. It's almost ludicrous for us to think about. But in our fleshly life and our fleshly desires, that's what we're choosing. And God says, no, I have freedom for you. I have redeemed you from that. So walk in that freedom. As this week comes, and you know, if if you're like me, I've got a calendar. I already know what this week has in store for me as far as where I'm going to be and what I'm going to be doing. I know that. I can make the choice now that as I go through the airport, I can seek places to let let my walk in freedom be seen. As I go to this place, go to that place, as I talk to this person, talk to that person, what truth am I going to share with them? Hey, I'm walking in freedom. You, don't want, to, you want to know what that's like? Let me share that with you. Find courage today in your freedom that you can take that freedom and share that with others who are walking in darkness. Share that with people that don't know the finished work of Christ. Share that with other believers who are just frankly having a bad day. Brother and sister, don't you know you're free? I think of the analogy, I use, for for y'all who don't know this yet, I use word pictures a lot. I think of the word picture of being a prisoner of war. Being a prisoner of war and redeemed. Someone came and showed me where the hole in the fence was and allowed me to escape. If I knew where that hole in that fence was, wouldn't I be wanting to go back and show the other prisoners where they can escape? Of course I would. Doesn't that put a burden on your heart that this week as you go out, you've been freed, you've been released, you've been redeemed. There are people that don't know that truth. Share that truth with them. If the Son sets you free, you are free indeed. Amen. I want to read this to you. For in Christ, all the fullness of deity lives in bodily form. And you have been given fullness in Christ, who is the head over every power and authority. In Him you are also circumcised in the putting off of the sinful nature. When you were dead in your sins and in the uncircumcision of your sinful nature, God made you alive in Christ. He forgave all your sins, having canceled the written code 
with its regulations that was against us and that stood opposed to us. He took away, nailing it to the cross. And having disarmed the powers and authorities, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross. Think of the truth and the beauty in those words. For in Christ, all the fullness of deity, Christ is, was, and will be God. He he dwelt here in flesh. And we, you, as an individual, have been given the fullness in Christ, who is the head over every power and authority. You have power and authority as who you are in Christ. You are not weak. You are not powerless. You have absolute power over the principalities and darkness of the world. Those, those things that would come over to impress you. You have the power to say no. No. I am a child of the King and you have no place in my life. As we close today, I pray as I prayed in the beginning that you would have a deeper, richer, newer perspective on your own personal witness. That you would have a deeper, richer, clearer understanding of your freedom. And that you would have a better, clearer picture of what you need to do with that freedom. I pray that God reveal to you this week places where you can share that freedom. Let's pray. Father God, we we are in amazement that you as an all-powerful, almighty, all-creator God would love us and call us as your children to yourself. Father, we praise your name for rescuing us and redeeming us and freeing us from a life that was so displeasing to you and so harmful to ourselves and others. It is your freedom that we claim, Father. It is your freedom that we rest in. It is your freedom that we swim in. It is your freedom that we live in. Help us, Father, share that. Reveal to us, Father, ways that we can share that freedom with others. Reveal to us, Father, your plan, your message, and your opportunity to share that with a world that so desperately needs it. We say this in Jesus' name. Amen.